Suelta bien. Otro lado. Aquí viene Márquez del otro lado. Solo Cuauhtémoc. Cuauhtémoc suya. 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 All right. Well, this is the, the rebirth of the FMF State of Mind podcast. Tonight you got me, Raul. We got Rafa, Eugene. How you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Rafa, how's that out there in uh, Cali? It's good. It's hot, as you can imagine, but I think it's hot all over the country right now. Yeah, I just played basketball outside, and like the sunset, I'm just sweating. I'm dying right now. Yeah, it's not too bad here, but it's humid, and I think it's supposed to get really hot uh, the next couple of days. Are you still on, uh, where do you live? Uh, Delaware, right outside, uh, of, right outside of Philadelphia. Okay, you used to live in like northern PA, right? Or no? Yeah. Yes, okay. I've, I've spent so much time there the last like six months. It's I know too many things out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, we're four weeks into Liga MX season. We got Santos, Querétaro, América, Tigres, top four. Um, Rafa, what's your big takeaway from this week specifically? And then, and, and to a lesser extent, the, through, through the first month of the season. Uh, well, to be honest, there's, I mean, we're trying to summarize everything that's gone on these first few weeks. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, particularly this week, I think we have to talk about um, Querétaro coming up with that uh, big late win over Pachuca. Uh, they're now second. Uh, they're definitely a team to keep an eye on. Uh, but I think we have to talk about the big ones. That's Club América, who uh, they got another victory. But obviously, the big talking point right now is uh, the whole Guillermo Ochoa showing up. Uh, he's he's there to replace Agustín Marchesín, and you know the whole commotion and. Uh, Mexico City and uh, just Club America fans being optimistic about getting one of their idols back and just having you know one of the most iconic uh, Club America players uh, of the last few what I, I would say last decade maybe uh, return to the club. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily strengthens Club America's uh, bid for the title, but I think that's one of the talking points we we have to bring up right now. They're currently third behind Santos and Querétaro, and then the other main. Takeaway here is Chivas, who won. I think they had their most dominant win of the week against Atletico San Luis. Uh, there are a lot of Chivas fans that are not very fond of Tomas Boy, but uh, that's three straight wins at home, if I'm not mistaken. So for me, those are the three main takeaways right now. What about you, Eugene? I think for me, it's more seeing where everybody is right now um, because there are some teams who are about where you thought they would be, uh, you know, Club America, Tigres, uh, they're, they're up toward the top of the list. Uh, uh, there's other teams who are up at the top of the list that uh, I didn't have pegged to be where they are. Um, Santos, uh, Querétaro, both of which I thought would be decent, but I didn't think they would start the season out as, as hot as they have. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's certainly something for me. Um, and I, I think, you know, Rafa was right about Club America. What are they? What are they going to do? Um, they've, they've had a lot of uh, turnover, and not just turnover as far as a lot of players, but a lot of their, their, their key pivotal players have gone. Um, you know, So it, how are they going to replace them? What are they going to look like going forward? Are they going to be the Club America that, that we're used to seeing? I mean, I had Club America uh, picked as, as my title holders, uh, going in uh, to to the start of the season, and with the moves, I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But you know, now that they're bringing in Memo Ochoa, now that you know they're having 
uh, the success that they're having. Well, now I'm like, okay, well maybe they are as, as good as I thought they would be, you know? So I think that's certainly um, uh, something, something worth watching. And, uh, you know, I think uh, something that we always uh, should be mindful of is the, the coaching hot seat. You know, that was, was it 11 uh, of the 18 managers last year were fired? 10, 11 of them? Only? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and, you know, I, I think there are certainly cases to be made for um, La Volpe uh, getting fired. Um, I, I think, you know, Tomas Boy has, has done uh, okay with Chivas, but I, I feel like, man, they, they lose one or two, uh, you know, kind of critical games uh, or, you know, two or three straight uh, games without a result. And he could be on the on the hot seat as well. Do you think uh, it's going to be one of uh, Bioho's toughest coaching jobs this team? I mean, it's, uh, coming out who they started their camp with to what they're going to finish the season with, it's going to be a very different starting eleven. With with Club America, yeah, I think so. I think his first season in Tijuana might have been a little bit more. I'm not sure even what the word I'm looking for is. It, when he first started in Tijuana, it was damage control. It was, you know, getting in players, getting out players, trying to prevent them from getting relegated. I, I think the situation's different in, in Club America. Obviously, they're, they're not in that situation. But there has been a lot of turnover. There is a lot of kind of unknowns. You know, how is Memo Ochoa going, going to, to perform? Um, you know, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Is he going to fit right back into America? Is it going to take him a couple weeks? Um, you know, uh, how is he going to get along in the locker room? That, that sort of thing. Um, it's not necessarily seamless. as just getting a guy and having him come right back, um, you know, years later and everything's kind of the same. Um, I, I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be a, a kind of different challenges, but I, I've always believed that Piojo is a good manager. And, and I, I think he'll he'll overcome this. I think he'll they'll they'll be just fine. Uh, Rafa, you covered uh, Gio when he was at the Galaxy. How do you think he's fitting in with uh, Club America, and how do you think he's going to you know going forward with the team now that he's going to be expected to carry a little bit more weight now that a couple other players are no longer there? See, the thing with me with, with Gio is that um, you know just a few. Maybe two weeks ago or so, I was just watching a, a repeat of Costa Rica versus Mexico for one of the World Cup qualifiers. I think it was eight years ago or so. And to compare Gio then to the Gio we saw the last few years is is, is pretty insane because uh, he was just technically in another level. Um, I know he maybe he didn't pan out how we expected, uh, but he was just a completely different player. And for whatever reason, maybe it was injuries, lack of playing time confidence, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, these last few years, he was just a completely different player. So there was that one game where he got the goal and the assist. Um, and it was stuff that you saw from Gio, you know, eight years ago or so. We were talking about the young Gio, the young, fresh-faced Gio, the, the one who wasn't afraid to take on players. He was just technically better. Um, here, I, you know, we're talking about Miguel Herrera and, and, and the kind of manager that he is. Uh, personally, I did not see that with the Galaxy. Uh, again, might have been injuries. It might have been confidence. Or maybe he just—he did uh, have that one good season, though. He was really good that one season. The for for the full season, he was healthy. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think injuries play a huge part of it. Um, and the yeah. Galaxy were a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That 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 yeah that that is also true. Now, was uh, he was was Gio in LA with Bob Bradley? I mean, uh, sorry. Um, 
Bruce Arena? He was, yes, he was towards the end. And, gotcha. and it was just yeah. for me, it's just seeing him do that in Liga Amakis, that you know, that one goal where he sort of gave himself his his own pass and he just took on that one defender and gave the ball to Renato Ibarra. I mean, that was like nostalgia, basically. Like, it was nostalgic seeing Gio do something like that because, I mean, this is something he would have done eight years ago. Um, I'm not a Cuba America fan, but it, but, but it was something, you know, you could celebrate as a neutral. I would love to see that more of that. I, I think right now the big problem is just getting him uh, fitness-wise, getting him uh, ready to play a whole 90 minutes. Um, with Nico Castillo now out for a long time it, it is imperative to see Gio you know become a bigger part of this team uh because let, let's be honest here we all know he's capable of doing that we don't know if it's confidence it's lack of match fitness whatever but he, he's more than capable of doing that and I sincerely hope that Miguel can get the best out of Gio I mean he's gonna get the chances yeah I mean he is gonna get the chances no doubt I mean I don't know who who is above him in the pecking order anymore but going back to to Club America, I think this is my my question is uh, with Guillermo Ochoa. Going back to Guillermo Ochoa, is Club America the same with Guillermo Ochoa? Are they worse or are they better? I mean, comparing it to Agustin Marchesin, of course. Because to me, Agustin Marchesin was the best goalkeeper in Mexico, along with Nahuel Guzman. Uh, but now you, I've heard the argument that you know it's not going to be a problem. Guillermo Ochoa is just as good as Marchesin. Which, uh, I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, Eugene, you know what happened? I would take either of them on my team. <laughs> I mean, it, to, to me, I, I don't see too much of a difference where I would be able to say, yeah, Marche is better, or yeah, Memo is better. I, I, you know, uh, to, to me, you know, they're, they're both kind of up in that top tier of, of, of goalkeepers with Nahuel, uh, Guzman, um, you know, guys that can go out there and win a game for you. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference. I, the only caveat to that would be over some time. I, I, I still think he's, there might be a little bit of a, a transition period um, here the first couple of weeks. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he was a little shaky, if there were a couple of miscues, um, you know, but I think over time, you know, give him give him a couple of weeks. I, I I think he'll he'll be absolutely fine. And you know, it's it's hard to move on from a guy like Marchesin. But um, if you're gonna try, you know, who who better than than a guy like Memo Ochoa? And even if he does have a couple shaky moments, the fan base is not gonna turn on Memo Ochoa. It's gonna no, take a lot for them to even think about turning on Memo Ochoa. I know it's too early, but if Guamanica were to you know, potentially crash out in the quarterfinals or semifinals. Do you think Miguel Arias' excuse will be, well, you know, we had a goalkeeper that wasn't 100% ready to go after, you know, let's say six, seven weeks. If he uh, values his job, he won't say that. We lost <laughs> our, our, our starting striker in, you know, the third game of the, the season or whatever the, whatever it was. Uh, do you think he, this gives him a good excuse or he just won't bring it up? I don't think he'll get fired this year unless, as long as he makes the playoffs. I don't, well, think, I don't he'll think he'll get fired. get fired either, but do you think this is a good excuse? For, uh, I mean, because let's be honest, Clua Manica is a title or bust team. They, mm-hmm. Once they're in the Liga, yeah, we're expecting him to, to at least get to a final. Uh, let's I think say it some... depends on who they lose to. If they lose to Tigres, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know much you can say, but if they, if they lose to like one of these teams that squeaks in, like a like a Careta, if Careta holds on or like Puma squeaks in, if they lose to one of those clubs, then maybe. But if they lose to a fellow giant, so to speak, I think it's just business as usual. 
I don't even know about that in that case, to be, to be honest. I think if, if that scenario plays out where America goes in and then they, they bomb out in, in the first round, even if, against, if, if it's against a, a Tijuana or a Pumas or, or something like that, I don't think that – I think Herrera has a good – I don't want to call it an excuse because it's not – he's not making something – I mean, you know, it, it's just kind of the way it is. He had a goalkeeper that came in that, you know, hasn't been with the team. It wasn't with the team for uh, for the preseason and, and, and getting accustomed to that. He had uh, a large player uh, you know, turnover. He had injuries to deal with. I think these are all valid reasons um, for anybody why they wouldn't make it. And yes, of course, America fans are, we either won the title or we failed. Um, and that's, you know, Hey man, that's good. But at the same time, like, you know, from a non America fan perspective, I have to be a little bit more uh, objective and a little bit more, you know, look at it a little bit more objectively and, and just go, well, Yes, of course they 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 didn't go all the way because man they had a ton of stuff happen to them over the the first month of the season, the first month and a half, and of course they 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 weren't able to pull it all together in time. What if uh, Club America wins? What the hell is that called? The League Cup? Is that what it's oh, called? Yeah. Oh, against Atlanta. Yeah. I, oh, that's tomorrow, correct? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, uh, if, if they, it, it's and it's it's the same thing we 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 will always see with Liga Mekis and MLS clubs. If Liga Mekis wins, ah, you see, you know, MLS is nobody. If MLS happens to pull this out, if Atlanta happens to win, man, this was no competition. It was a it was a glorified friendly. Like who cares? You know, don't I wouldn't put too much stock in into whether or not they they win or lose. I know damn well Piojo wants to win though. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's a competitive guy. He he wants to win every every game he ever goes out, you know, and and that's that's awesome. But I I think at the end of the day, if if Atlanta happens to pull this out, then it's going to be a big. Who cares? Like I think MLS fans will be super happy about it. But hashtag MLS for Atlanta going to be trending tomorrow night. <laughs> um, real quick, Rafa, I know you said you mentioned you had you had some thoughts on uh, the Tigres. Unak and uh, Thomas Boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Eugene spoke spoke about it that there are teams where we expect them to be. Uh, Tigres is one of those. Uh, which, if you think about it, before these last two seasons, they they usually struggled early in the season, and and last year they they started off really well. I mean, they did finish second overall, and this time around they seem to be taking things very seriously again. I, there is no dreaded campeonitis, as we call it. Uh, they're doing quite well. Uh, the issue with Tigres is it's a long season. I, I mean, we're we're talking just in general right now, but it's it's a long season. A lot can happen. And if you're a stats guy, I guess if you look at historically, only two teams since I mean, modern day Liga MX, only two teams have been able to win back to back titles, and that's Pumas and Club León. So it's not easy. It, it's definitely not easy. I think at at some point. How much do Tigres really want to win back-to-back titles? Uh, I mean, right now they don't have any other competition they have to worry about. But I mean, they're good enough. So I don't, I don't really want to fall into the hole. Are they a big team or not? Uh, but they do have to make it sort of, you know, be something like Club América, where that arrogance comes out, and, and they have to think that they have to win this title because, you know, they are Tigres. 
but for now, they're, I mean, they're doing their job. I don't know what else to say about the Igres. Uh, they are a good team. They're going to remain to, they're, they're going to be a good team for, for the foreseeable future. They have the economic backing. Uh, they have Juniak, who scored three goals this week. I think we'll talk about him a little later. And yeah, I mean, Tigres is Tigres. What else can we say about him? Uh, as for Chivas, uh, I don't know if we want to talk a little bit more about Chivas, but they, again, they had arguably their most dominant performance against Atletico San Luis, which is probably not saying much, but uh, it's three straight wins now, including the, the Copa Mekis one. They haven't looked good. In, uh, let's be honest, they have not looked good in several of the games. If you love going to Chivas Twitter, which you should, it's it's really fun. You don't go to Chivas Twitter. Chivas Twitter comes to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean the I mean the majority of people do not like Tomat Boy, and rightfully so. Uh, but can you argue against three wins? I mean, one of them was really gritty. Uh, the Copa Amerikis one, Alexis Vega just showed up and scored twice, and then this one against Atletico San Luis, which didn't really put up a fight. But they're three wins. Uh, that that does wonders to your confidence. You, you don't know. Maybe the Chivas picks it up from now. You, you never know. Uh, the point is, they haven't been playing well. I don't know. If, I haven't really seen at their schedule, but we can assume that that they can. Maybe they they use this as, as to gradually improve. I guess uh, it's a confidence thing. I, I I heard Chofi say after the game that you know this is a win they that they sort of deserve because there was just so many games where they're incredibly unlucky. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's how they feel inside the locker room. But I mean, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on Chivas. Hey, Eugene, do you think come week 17, 18, Chivas is going to be the top eight? Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. Um, that's, I, I think they're doing the things now that can propel them uh, up to being one of the top eight teams at the end of, at the, end of the season. Um, winning breeds confidence. Um, and, you know, even if you start out, you know, your first three games and you, you play the three worst teams in the league and you beat them, you still have three wins. And that's something to build confidence on. And I think that sort of thing is, is something that Chivas should definitely uh, be able to build upon. I think they will be able to build upon that to some degree. I think they'll obviously have trouble with Tigres. I think they'll have trouble uh, against Club America, you know, some of the, the, the bigger clubs. But, I mean, you know, if they can if they can still handle their business against you know, Nakaxa, if they can handle their business against, uh, you know, Puebla, Pachuca, that, that, those kind of teams that are, are kind of fair to Midland or even kind of poor, then, yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't be in the the, the top eight at the end of the year. You guys think, uh, what's, a, what's a better chance of having Tomas Boyce still being the manager at the, uh, come Christmas or Chivas making it to the final, to the playoffs? See, I'm more optimistic here. I, I think they, they do have enough to make the league, yeah. Uh, I personally, I'm not a fan of Tomas Boy. Uh, I don't really dig his tactics. But I mean, this is what this team has. If they're gonna pull gritty wins or they're gonna pull ugly wins, they'll take them. Uh, I at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what Chivas fans think. Uh, whether they're not gonna be playing like like Barcelona here, but if they get the wins, they get the wins. And I, I think the best way to shut up your haters is by getting the wins. And if they if they can do that in a more consistent basis, especially at home, because we're talking about a Chivas team that, that has struggled re- very recently at home uh, these last two seasons. And, I mean, we've spoken in, in length about this, so that the playoff system is incredibly forgiving. If you can manage to pull some wins together at home, you can find yourself in the top eight rather easily. And uh, looking at the top eight, Eugene, who do you think 
I mean, right now, like I said, we got Santos, Querétaro, America, Tigres, Atlas, Guadalajara, Cholos, and Pumas right now. Who who stays and who drops out of that top eight that, as it is as it is right now? Who do you think is gonna drop out? I think. Or do the, you think anyone? Do you think anyone's gonna drop out? Oh yeah, I think I think uh, things. I think you know you're you're gonna start to see some of these teams um, kind of falter a little bit. Um, I think uh, Querétaro might have gotten uh, out to a little bit too hot of a start. Um, they. Um, you know they they've put, they've only uh, they played I think two games on the road. Um, they drew Cholos and uh, Tijuana, and then they beat Toluca um, in Toluca. But you know Toluca is not beating anybody right now. Um, so you know I, I think once Querétaro starts to you know have to go uh, on the road and 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 play some more games uh, you know against some some kind of more quality opponents. Um, and and host some some tougher teams. I think they're going to start to falter. Um, I I think it's going to be tough going for Chivas. I, I'm not saying they're going to. I think they're going to drop out. But I, I think you, you know they're they're going to be closer to seven eight uh, at the end, at the end of the season than they are one one position one or two. Um, I think uh, Cholos uh, is going to be okay. Um, I think they might be kind of like Chivas, where it's going to be. Uh, tough, but they'll be able to do it. And I, I worry about Pumas. Um, I, I don't know if they've improved enough over over last year to to get into the Liguilla. Um, and they were pretty bad last year. And I I, I just I don't know what the what they've done uh, during the off season to get them to a point where I look at them and go, yeah, they're they're going to be top four. They're going to be going through it. They're going to you know they're going to be causing some trouble in the Liguilla. I, I just don't see that. So, well, well, can I ask Eugene a question about uh, what he thinks of Santos Laguna? Because I know he covers them regularly. Because uh, looking at Santos Laguna, they have a new coach. Uh, I'm, I mean, tactically speaking, I, I'm liking what, what I'm seeing from them early in the season. However, my, my problem here is they've had a re- relatively easy schedule these first four weeks. Uh, what do you think of Santos Laguna? Do, are, are they the real deal, or or are we expecting to to maybe go down a bit? Yeah, no, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little biased, uh, you know, because I cover the team, um, and you know, I, I I watch I watch them constantly, so um, I'm probably a little biased, but I think they're the real deal. I think, um, you know, Guillermo Almada has them playing a very aggressive style of soccer. Um, you know, watching MLS, I see a lot of coaches go with this high press, um, you know, win the ball back in, in five seconds, um, lots of play from the wings. And I don't, I, I haven't really seen a lot of that in Liga Mekis. And I kind of always wondered how that would work. And I'm kind of getting to see how that would work with, Almada's style of play um, you know you see a guy like Brian Lozano who is um, who has become kind of the linchpin of Santos attack uh, you're seeing guys dropping back um, and trying to win the ball back as soon as it's turned over um, and, and not allowing that second or third pass uh, to, to happen um, yeah, they've they've played some some pretty easy teams so far, but you know, kind of like I said about uh, you know Chivas and Queretaro, 
it, winning breeds confidence. They, you know, they're they're four zero and zero. They, and that's even if you even if they've beaten the four worst teams in the league, that's four wins in a row. That's that's got to make that locker room super happy. Um, I think the only thing I would worry about for them would be an injury to a key player like a Brian Lozano, like a Julio Forch, like, uh, you know, Jonathan Orozco. Like if one of those guys got injured, had to be away for, for an extended period of time, I think that's when they could really stumble and fall um, significantly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated the rest of the year, but I think they're going to be in it. And I think they're probably going to be one of the top four teams at the, uh, you know, come December. And uh, real quick, Santos plays Necaxa next week. And Querétaro plays Juarez. So, I mean, Querétaro with that nice little easy schedule to start off this season. Yeah, but, I mean, again, Querétaro hasn't – they haven't performed terribly well on the road, and they're going to Juarez, who really looked good in their first game. I mean, I know that there was a lot of outside-of-soccer things that went into that game that really was going to make it difficult for anybody who was playing that, um, whether, you know, you focus on the, the tragedy that happened in El Paso or whether you just look at, hey, this is the first, you know, top flight Mexican soccer game there in almost a decade. Like, that's special, and that's something that people were super amped up for, and I'm sure the team was super amped up for. It's going to be a little less this time, but I still think it's going to be a tough place uh, for Querétaro to to go and to play, I mean, it's almost like going to Tijuana. Like it's a it's a journey to get there. It is far. It's not like hopping, you know, uh, right down the Mexico City or something like that. And I think that's going to play into it. And I think the atmosphere is going to play into it. And I think it's going to be it's going to be a true true test for both teams. I think we're going to find out a lot about both teams in that match. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we go to like uh, game of the week? No, so just going back to the league table, I think the two teams we, we haven't really talked about, or I mean, I would say three teams are uh, Monterrey, Cruz Azul, and Club León. Uh, assuming some of these teams re- regress a bit, uh, I guess we can assume that Monterrey, Cruz Azul, and León are going to find their, themselves back in the, in the uh, top eight. Because with Club León, I, I think it's been the opposite. They've They've had more one of the tougher schedules to start the season. Uh, so at least I'm assuming that Leon is going to pick up the pace because uh, if I'm being honest, they, they played really well uh, against Club America, which is the game that they, they ended up just uh, getting a point in. And then the one against Monterrey where uh, I think they played perhaps some of the best football they played in, in a while, those first 45 minutes against Monterrey. And then for whatever reason, Maybe it was overconfidence, or just Monterrey picked it up, and then uh, Rogelio Rogelio Funes Mori and, and and everybody else just went ham, and they got the three two win. But I like Leon. I, I know a lot of people had Leon as their top pick to to win the title this season uh, because of the historic season they had last season. But I, I like this Leon team for 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 whatever reason they they're they're right now sitting twelfth with four points, which doesn't look good because uh, they did lose a game. Uh, but but I like them. Uh, and the thing with Cruz Azul and, and Monterrey, which again, we're assuming that Monterrey is going to pick it up at some point. Uh, with Monterrey, I think it's more of a, as somebody who, who who's a fan of Diego Alonso, I think Diego Alonso has never been a very consistent manager. And I think Monterrey are seeing that. Uh, 
I don't know. If, uh, I, I really don't follow Monterrey very closely, but I, I can't assume that they're panicking uh, with this slow start. But I, but I think they'll, they'll be fine. Diego Alonso, again, is, is just always had the, he's, he's sort of the manager that, that I wouldn't say loses his locker room, but he has these periods where, um, for whatever reason, his teams just don't, don't pick it up on a consistent basis. Uh, and they suffer and, and, you know, they go through negative streaks where, where they go winless for a while. Uh, but again, we can assume that at some point they're going to pick it up and they're going to enter the top eight. I mean, right now they're sitting at ninth. Um, I mean, basically tied for eighth. Um, and then Cruz Azul, which is off to a slow start. Caixinha, I mean, there's been some criticism about him. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of Cruz Azul. I mean, Eugene, maybe. Um, what do you think of Cruz Azul? I would say the same thing about Cruz Azul and Leon. Um, I have not been impressed with what I've seen uh, from them so far this season. Um, I didn't, I, I kind of assumed, Cru, uh, I'm sorry, Club Leon was going to kind of come back to earth a little bit after the, the last season that they had. Um, uh, you know, and not, not that I thought they were going to be bad, but I think just last season was everything going right for them. And, you know, everything doesn't go right for, for, for a club two years in a row like that. Um, but Cruz Azul, like, I, I just, I didn't, I, I don't know what, I, I put them with Pumas. Like, what did they do during the offseason to make them better? Um, I think that, you know, they they overachieved uh, last season. And I, I, I don't know, again, what they did to kind of improve themselves during this off season to make me go, okay, yeah, no, they're, they're going to be a contender uh, again. Um, you know, so that's, you know, I'm certainly willing to, to look back in December and go, yeah, I was wrong about both of those clubs. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think, I think they're both going to have kind of down years. I think Monterey is a little bit different of, of a story. I think they're a bit more streaky. I think you're right. I think, they're kind of on a bad streak right now, but I think at some point uh, they're going to get hot and they're going to go into the playoffs kind of like they always do. I mean, that you look at that roster uh, and it's not just a talented, uh, you know, 11, 12. I mean, it's like 18, 19 players that are, you know, quality, quality players. I, I don't see how. Do they still got Layun coming off the bench? <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he's actually starting now, which you know is crazy that that Miguel Leon is is a guy that's like either starting or, or you know a spot starter coming off of the bench. Like that's nuts. That's absolutely crazy. He's you the know? Andre Iguodala of Monterrey. You know, just kind of <laughs> plug him in. You know, save him for the playoffs. And 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 you know, like I mean, I'm not sure what's going on with with Jonathan Loretta Biscaya, but. You know, he's a guy that 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 was starting for Uruguay and he got injured. Uh, but if he can come back and he can be healthy, I mean, that's just another player you look at and go, "Oh my God, who who on this this roster is he going to relegate to the bench? You know, or is he going to be the guy that's that's sitting on the bench in favor of somebody? I, I it's it's nuts to me to look at that roster and, and go, yeah, the top. 18, 19, 20 players are players that most every other club would want on, on their team. That's crazy. Yeah, I feel like Monterey can just coast, coast, 
last six weeks of the season, reel off four out of six wins, get the number six spot, and then they're in the final. Like, they're just, they're so good. But like I said, they're very streaky. Real quick, um, okay, I think we kind of touched on this before that we started recording, but what the hell's going on to Luca? Is this oh, just going to be a lost season for them? Just... I, I think so. I, I I don't see I don't see anything in that team the way that it's running right now that inspires me to go. They're going to turn it around. I think La Volpe, his days are numbered there. Uh, I think his players kind of know that. I think he probably knows that. Um, and I you know I just don't I don't see how that team turns things around at, at any point in the season. Rafa, what do you think, Toluca? Just done. See, for me, Toluca is is a perfect example of what Tigres should try to avoid because uh, let's not forget that a few few years back we were talking about oh Toluca they they think they're they're a big team now they they've won so many titles in a span of ten years uh, I think I mean they're up there I, I don't know the exact number I'm sorry Toluca fans if, if there are any but there was a period where we were saying Toluca's just winning every every two seasons this is definitely going to be one of those teams that's going to be up there and uh, battling it out with Cruz Azul. Are we talking about them being a big team now? And for a team, um, we're not talking about just this season, uh, albeit it's only four, four weeks old, but for the last few seasons, Toluca has not been acting like a team where just a decade ago or whatever, we we're talking about them being a big team. They're, it's like they haven't reloaded. Yeah. I mean, they, the, other, the other big clubs, they see someone having a couple of bad seasons. All right, move on. The Luca's like, oh, we'll just we'll keep him here. He'll, he'll turn it around. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. They're they just haven't. I mean, for for a team that look, I get it. A team that wins, I think there's that quote. There, there's a certain arrogance to to winners, and and I get it. They were in a period where or they were winning titles every two three seasons, and. Uh, you know they amassed so many titles that people started thinking, well, they're they're a big team. But uh, at some point, you just have to act like a big team, and, and they haven't done so in the last few seasons. Most surprisingly of all, we always talk about uh, the Stadio Nemesio as being such a tough place for teams to go in there, uh, middle of the day. I know the altitude. It's you know the fans. It's it's a beautiful stadium, beautiful setting. Uh, it's difficult to beat Toluca there. Well, not anymore. Teams are going in there and they're being Toluca week in and week out. And it almost seems like, you know, if this team doesn't make the Liguilla, no big deal. If they're having a terrible season, no big deal. Uh, and honestly, uh, this is not what you want to see from a team that says, well, just a few years ago was supposed to be a big team. Uh, I think this is more a lesson towards some a team like Tigres because, uh, you know, when Andres Pierre-Gignac is gone, when, um, you know, this whole generation of players maybe gets old enough to where they're not going to compete on the same level. Is this going to happen? I mean, this is this should be a warning for, for a team like Diaz. Do you want to end up like the Luka, or do you really want to keep winning titles on a consistent basis? Uh, now, again, I, I really don't know. They, they brought in La Volpe. La Volpe just hasn't been happy with how things were handled during the offseason. He didn't really have control over uh, the players that came in, came out. I mean, that team is a mess right now. I, I, again, I'm not surprised there. They've started the season so bad. Yeah, I think Tigres is, you know, they every summer they're after big guys. They're always in the market. I don't, I haven't heard Duluca do anything really. It kind of seems like they just have guys that they've relied on for a while, and it's just, it's reached a point where 
you got to reload. And maybe La Volpe is the guy if you have a good academy. But, I mean, I don't really follow Toluca that well. I don't know if they're producing anyone coming up. So it could be a long season for Toluca. Um, let's see. So uh, this past week, I mean, it's a player of the week. Maybe it might be your guys' game of the week. Uh, who's, what, was, what was your guys' game of the week this year, this, this past week? I think for mine – it kind of ties in with the player of the week, but you next hat trick in like ten seconds, and in front of his home, in front of his home crowd, everyone going crazy. He's getting a statue. I mean, the man is hyped. <laughs> I think that was a, I think that was a fantastic moment for for sure, and and certainly, you know, one that anybody who who watched that, whether they're a Tigres fan or not, is certainly going to to remember and kind of appreciate for for a long time uh, to come. Um, I, I think for me, the, the game of the week um, was Veracruz and Atlas. And I'll tell you why. Not because I thought it was uh, an extremely fun game to watch, um, but I think that Veracruz knew going into this that if they lost this, it was going to be like a full calendar year between wins at least. And they were up and, you you know, I was looking at going, man, did they, they could do this. They could actually win a game. And then... Kazim goes to hit the penalty and like slips and hurts himself, and then Atlas scores two goals. And you just go, you know, even I, I, even as somebody who does not like Veracruz for a myriad of reasons, like I felt bad for them. Like you just go, my God, like what do they have to do? Um, I think for me that was the game of the week just with all of that extra uh those extra stories that kind of go in into the, the game that really that made it for me yeah i mean for me i think it i touched upon it a little uh chivas versus atletico san Luis, just for the fact that that it it was a dominant win by chivas they could have won that game 5-0 I it, I won't go into details again, but it, it is important that they got the three wins. Uh, they've got the three wins in a row now. There, uh, like you said, there is a lot of storylines with Chivas, and and there are a lot of Chivas fans, and it's, it's why they they get so much of the focus, uh, not just by us, but the rest of media. Uh, because let's be honest, even going back into Chivas, even Oribe Peralta is underperforming right now, and then you have Alexis Vega showing up with two goals during the midweek game. Um, and he seemed active in the fir- in the few minutes he played in that second half. Uh, and then the other side, you have Atletico San Luis, who, uh, albeit come here with, with a big name owned by Atletico Madrid or whatever, uh, they looked they looked fine the, the, their first game against Pumas, but despite the defeat, but they, they seem to be slowing down a bit. Uh, to me, they look a bit like uh, glorified Ascenso and Mekis team. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think the, the the big thing here is that, that that Chivas got a dominant win. They took advantage of, of the situation, and we'll see if they can build on that. Like like I mentioned earlier, uh, it's imperative that they keep winning games at home, and and hopefully, if you're a Chivas fan, this is a good sign that that they'll manage to to string a few more victories together at this Sadio Akron. Does anyone disagree with Junyak being the player of the week? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, talk about storylines. Uh, the guy, you know, has has this big ceremony pregame. Um, you know, he, he's crying in front of all the fans. They're gonna erect a statue for him. And what does he do? 
he goes out and scores a hat trick in like 25 minutes. I, I, unbelievable. Just an, another one of those just really cool stories that, that will kind of live on in, in Mexican soccer lore. So, I mean, this question is, is obligatory because it, it's been all over Twitter, but where do you or where do we rank Gignac amongst the best foreigners uh, in the history of Liga Mekis? Uh, I mean, he has to be top two, top three right now. I mean, if he, if he wins a couple more titles, I might have to put him over Cardoso. I don't know. I think I think you have to consider him for one of the best players in the league, Exxonero or not. I, I feel like he is that good. I mean, I I can't think of anybody else who has been as dominant in the time frame that he has been in the league. Uh, you know, he's he came in uh, in 2015 and has four stars uh, to to his credit. Like that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I I you know, and I struggle to think of any other player whether they're Mexican, whether they're not, who has had that kind of impact um, uh, on, on a team, uh, on, on the league. Uh, you know, the guy week in and week out is just, you know, teams have to account for him. Every, every team who he's played against has a story of Gignac going out and just killing their team. Uh, you know, I mean, think about the times that, he, that you've watched your team play against Tigres and Geniac did something ridiculous, whether it was, you know, a, he- <clears throat> a header in the 90th minute, whether it was some crazy golasso from, you know, 30 yards out. Every every team has a story like that. I I think he is one of the best players uh, to have ever played in the league. See, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. At, at, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> as a 90s kid, I mean, you can't, you can't compete against Cardoso. I'll make an analogy here, a basketball one. I see, I see Gignac more as a LeBron as opposed to Cardoso, more of a, a Kobe. You know, you, you, you sort of have that. Uh, I'm not saying Gignac is not dominant, uh, but he sort of just makes those around him better. And he's, he's ridiculously gifted that he's in a team that is just full of talented players all around him. Cardoso, on the other hand, was just a killer. Like... I, I don't know. Maybe it was just it's, it's just nostalgia. Maybe I don't know. But I remember watching Cardoso play, and, and he was just so dominant. I mean, ridiculously dominant. Uh, it, it didn't matter who his teammates were. It didn't matter who it was. This guy could have scored. I mean, he could score a hat trick in you know a matter of minutes, just like Gignac did. But he could do it by all by himself. He he didn't need an Eduardo Vargas. He didn't need a, a Rafael Sobi. So who all those great players that that had passed or or been with the these last few years uh i mean i, I just don't for me uh, Cardoso was is still a notch above Gignac. Uh, however i have to give him props i i think he, he he's definitely the best uh one of the best uh foreign players to arrive in 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 mexico or liga mekis i should say in the last few years uh i i'm one of those guys who who wants to acknowledge ruben sambuesa which uh, I know he's not a striker, and statistically, he's he's not going to be up there. But I think he he's also one of the better foreigners to arrive in Liga Mekis in the last few years, at least talent-wise. Uh, I have him up there with Gignac as well. But I mean, the way Gignac has revolutionized it, it's not uh, not just inside the playing field, just in the marketing aspect. 
you know, winning the hearts and minds of, of even us neutrals. Cause I mean, we all, we all sort of at least had one time where we tuned in to watch theaters just because of Geniac. Uh, uh, he's, he's a superb character. Um, and, and this is a lesson for, for other Liga Mekis teams who, or I hope are, are more insistent in bringing guys like Geniac to the league because uh, it, it makes the league look better. Uh, it, it just forget the, uh, there, I mean, there's also the aspect that he's an insanely talented player despite his age. Um, and it's just good. It, it's just good for the league in general. It, it makes people tune in. It makes people uh, want to watch games. And these are the kind of players you want in the league. And he came out of free transfer. <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous because there, there is a lot of players out there uh, who, who are available on free transfers and just teams sort of just turn a blind eye for whatever reason. Uh, I, I mean, Sturridge is a free Sturridge is a free agent right now, right? Who? Sturridge. Sturridge. Oh yeah. I mean, heck, you you don't know. You never know. Maybe one of these teams uh, decides to take a gamble. But I mean, again, that is also props to Geniac because he 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 came from you know France and it was like you know f it. I'm I'm coming to Mexico. Like uh, you know, new culture, they're, new language. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and he sort of just had that mental fortitude to just you know move his family to Mexico and. and and he's he's been embraced and he's embraced the country back, which is uh, amazing. And, and again, props to him for for doing that. I mean, it come, for me, it's like, can he keep this up for a little bit longer? Because Cardoso was a beast for ten years. So Geniac's had four complete seasons. This is his fifth season. It's like if we can keep it up, then I I would put him out. He's close, but for me, I'm all about the guys who last. You know, like that's maybe that's just that's just a personal preference. Personal preference. If he can't, he's he's around the same age as Cardoso was when he left. Uh, to Luca, so he, and uh, next under contract for two more for two more years until 2021. So we'll see if he keeps it up these next two years. Yeah, he'll be uh, 34, I think, in December. Um, yep. So it's not it's not outside the realm of possibility, but um, you know that's I think Rafa, you touched on this earlier. Like it's something Tigres is going to have to to account for at some point. What do they do when you know Gignac either retires uh, straight out or his skills diminish to the point where you know you're you're kind of doing your team a disservice by keeping somebody else off of the field uh for him um you know he's certainly not at that point yet but time waits for no one everybody has to face that at some point um you know and will tigres go like toluca has and kind of not worry about it and kind of fade um, or will they look to bring in another Gignac? Um, you know, will, will they look to bring in, uh, you know, another person from Europe or from South America or from North America and, and say, okay, well, this is, you know, we're, we're, this is, this is our guy and this is who we're going to, uh, you know, put our kind of hopes and dreams on for the next uh, five to six years to, to see what, what this guy can do. Yeah, and last season, Gignac had uh, 23 league goals. The next guy on Tigres was Vargas was 11, and then the next guy was six goals. So they're very reliant on Gignac. If he gets hurt, Tigres would still be a good team, but he is their goal scorer. Everything yeah. runs through him. And, you know, how many of those uh, goals for, for Vargas or for the other guys would they have gotten if they didn't have if the other teams didn't have to account for a guy like Gignac, you know? Yeah, I mean, everyone games plans for Gignac, no offense, but they don't game plan for Vargas, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect, but just saying. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on, Junak, before we go on to uh, Mexicans Abroad or anything else in League MX? I, I guess, well, one thing real quick. I think we, we talked about this off, off uh, air, but uh, Chivas. Chivas TV, Chivas in America. And, I mean, I haven't really seen anything about their TV deal, potential TV deal. I mean, this kind of screams like a team in the middle of a – I don't even know what's going on in that club right now. Is Vergara still in charge? I mean, I don't know. Well, he's left his his son in charge, if I'm not mistaken. I, I really don't know the the hierarchy right now within the club. But and he's in the middle of like a press tour. Yeah, he was speaking at the Mundo earlier. Uh, I don't know. Uh, honestly, they're a complete mess inside as well. Uh, you know how they they were showing the the game on YouTube TV or YouTube or whatever it's called. Uh, and you see all the the fans comment. You see so many comments. Just sell the team already, and it's it could be a possibility. But uh, again, I don't know the ins and outs of of Chivas. But uh, they 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 definitely need a, a way to. I guess the money has to come somewhere. It's definitely not going to come from Chivas TV. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, I mean, we're talking about how it sort of failed in these last few years they, they didn't really get the buzz they were expecting um and now these games are being on youtube right now uh, they they need to find a broadcaster i'm assuming it's it's a money game maybe that's what this press thing is about i, I really don't know we we'd have to talk to a straight goat and maybe he can tell us a little bit of what's going on but the thing that's like boggles my mind is like this this contract was ending on this day for years so it's not like it snuck up on them and you know when someone's like we're not going to show your games it's like the contract is up you should be planning years ahead for this. You you arguably command the biggest fee from any of the League MX clubs. Like you should be planning ahead. Yeah, well, I think I think part of that it has to do with the kind of storm uh, that that's going on in, in, at the top level of the front office with you know Vergara and and you know the, the stuff that he's been through in the past couple of years. Um, you know, I think a lot of that has kind of bled into things like planning where your television, you know, what television network you're going to be on. Um, you know, something we were talking about uh, offline earlier, you know, Chivas TV was started um, uh, and they, it was a couple of years ago and they, they weren't going to have, te- weren't going to have television. They weren't going to, were not going to be on television. It was all going to be through Chivas TV, and Chivas kind of assumed all of their fans were just going to sign up for Chivas TV and plunk down, you know, what is it, nine, ten dollars a month to, to to watch this, and not many did, and they were forced to kind of, with their tail tucked between their legs, go back to uh, Univision and go, hey, can you know, can we work something out here? And and they did, you know, Univision was was, you know, they they're not stupid. They knew the kind of revenue that Chivas would would bring in for them, especially, you know, being off of the air for for a couple of months. Um, but you know, not planning for this, they're kind of back to that. Well, what is Chivas TV? What does it give to a Chivas fan that would make somebody want to? put down money for this service. They broadcast the Feminino games, which is awesome. They broadcast the the under-20s games, and I think some of the under-17s games, which is awesome. They produce some of their own content, which is awesome. But for the majority of the fans, if we're being real here, 
they're not tuning in for that stuff. They're tuning in for the games. They want to watch the games. They want to see them play against Club America and Tijuana and all the other teams in, in the league. And that's why Chivas TV, if, if they had thought about this, should be to kind of augment the television coverage. They can sell the television rights to whomever, to, to Fox, to, 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 to Dene, whoever, and say, okay, give us money. Here's our television rights. And by the way, for Chivas TV, we're going to, we're going to produce extra content for these games. Maybe you have uh, something where Chivas TV users can pick the camera angle that they're watching the game from. You know, if you wanted to have the, watch the entire game. Very simple. Just get the trophies cam. (laughs) If you wanted to watch trophies for 90 plus minutes, we have a cam for that. And Hey, you give us 10 bucks a month, you can watch Chofi's cam as long as you want. Like, that that would be something worth putting your your money for. But, you know, you have to be innovative. You have to think outside the box. You have to plan for this sort of stuff. You have to have the infrastructure in place for this to, to work. And I don't think that they, they even thought about that. It was just kind of like, oh, well, our television deal, when it ends, um, we're either just going to go back and renegotiate our deal or we're just going to put it on Chivas TV because this time around it'll work for reasons like I, I don't know because like we talked about earlier like if they you know Chivas TV came out what three years ago three summers ago I think I think so or something two. like that so you, you would have three years to build that infrastructure right now would be the perfect time to hey let's try something let's maybe you know not give up the rights to our games let's try to move everyone to Chivas TV let's let's take a risk but it's kind of like they're treading water right now. I don't know. And they're, I mean, Chivas, there's so many Chivas fans. They, they, there's so much, they leave so much money on the table. And if they had this money, maybe they can make a couple more, uh, more transfers, a couple more, invest more money in the first team. Cause like, like such a big team should not be, you know, getting the scraps in the transfer market. That's just how I, how I feel. I'm not a Chivas fan, but that I know damn well that's how many Chivas fans feel right now. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, looking at the viewership with with the numbers of the last YouTube stream, they're not terrible. If you put, if you put into perspective how you know other streaming services out there that you know you, nowadays with with gaming being so big, uh, you have these guys you know actually making a living out of streaming and all that stuff. Uh, their numbers, I mean, if you get 50k, that's really really good. Uh, and Chivas is getting those numbers easily. It's not like there's only like 10,000 people tuning in to watch a game on YouTube. So the audience is definitely there. It's just a matter of capitalizing, I guess, uh, because there are fans that are going to watch, whether it's going to be on YouTube, whether it's going to be on Telemundo, Fox, whatever the case may be. But there's, there's, a, there's a big difference, though, between monetizing a YouTube stream or a channel to the point where I, as an individual, can make enough to support myself and... There's, there's a huge gap between that and a professional first division soccer team oh, yeah, monetizing definitely. a YouTube channel enough where they can significantly uh, impact, uh, you know, their their overall uh, net spend or, or, or what have you. Um, I, I think having the, the games on YouTube is fantastic. I think that's, you know, just another way that that club can can connect with their fans can help bring in new fans um but i i can't see that being 
and maybe maybe it's because I'm old. Like I I can't see how that is going to replace television money. Like I don't see well, I mean, how it's it's not it's not sustainable. It's definitely yeah. sustainable. What I'm trying to say is it's just the demand is definitely there. Like the, there are the fans are are there. It's not like we're talking about. With all due respect, we're not talking about Querétaro where Querétaro decided to just show the games on TV. Yeah. I mean, on, on YouTube, and it's like, well, you know, good luck with that. This is proof that the fans are going to watch it, no matter if it's the Mundo Fox, whatever it might be. It's there, and it's, it's sort of a shame that a team like Chivas has to go through this because they are a big team, and, and there are so many fans out there, like Raul said. And yeah, I mean, if, if there's a team that can pull this off, it's Chivas. Yeah, but like I said, I don't. I I'm just saying the the, the street numbers are there, the the demand is there, and this team needs to be shown somewhere at, in a large scale where fans can actually watch their team, uh, no matter if it's on YouTube, no matter if it's on Fox or whatever the case may be, because this is a big team. This is not, again, with all due respect, this is not get it though. This this is Chivas. Chivas, Chivas should be for the people, basically. Is what I'm <laughs> I think you may have just come up with a new team slogan for them. <laughs> as long as those people are Mexican, right, Chivas fans? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so I, I, I think, I think there's, there's, there's kind of a, 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 a way, and and I don't know exactly what this looks like, but I think there's, there's probably a way for Chivas to get some sort of television deal going. But also use Chivas TV as a platform to help draw in extra revenue, and I think there's a there's a place for YouTube streaming as well. Like maybe you say, okay, well we have television deals in Mexico and in the United States. We're gonna geolock our YouTube channel in those countries so that people there have to watch it either through our platform or on their television. But for somebody who's in say Canada or in England or any place that's not the US or Mexico, they can tune into this YouTube channel and watch. And that's a, a, a great way to engage new fans, to bring new fans in who may not have the opportunity to, you know, to, to watch Chivas. Um, you know, it, there are Mexican people in every country on, on, on the world, I would, I would imagine. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of places where those people can't watch Chivas right now through means that Chivas can monetize. And if they can find a way to kind of put themselves out there in, in those markets, in places, you know, again, Canada comes to mind, uh, Central America, South America, Europe, Asia, you know, wherever, like they can, they can help build their fan base. Uh, you know, you only have to be Mexican to, pl- to play for Chivas. You don't have to be Mexican to root for Chivas. And uh, real quick, their last TV deal with Univision paid them $16 million just for the fee, just for the rights in the U.S. So that's $16 million they're not getting this, this season. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, that's not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's a nice, that's a nice player they can get, you know, that's another, uh, uh, Another Pizarro they can afford with that money. I mean, just think about think about it that way. It's it's not only another Pizarro they could get. It would be you know, Chivas is probably getting highballed whenever they go after players because teams know that Chivas has 
you know, they're not going to go after foreign players. They have to, to go after Mexican players. So, you know, if I'm a team and I have a, a Mexican player that Chivas wants, I'm going to overvalue him because you're either going to pay extra for him uh, or you're not going to have him because you're not going to go anyplace else. But let's not forget Chivas does, is being shown on Televisa, on, well, not Televisa, let's do, do the internet, whatever it's called nowadays. Uh, in Mexico, it is being shown. The issue here is, again, with the U.S., getting the, the $60 million from here. Which, if you think about it, it's such a blessing in disguise that teams get to sort of negotiate deals both in Mexico and in the U.S. Because, I mean, it's just geographically and culturally speaking how how significantly IMX is to to the U.S. So teams can basically cash in on both sides. So people in Mexico do get to watch their team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, it's just sixteen million dollars on the table. No, oh, but, but like Eugene said, there's still, there's there's a, there should be a way where even if you're in Canada or wherever the case may be, you're in Europe or whatever, you get to watch Chivas play. Uh, but I think that's just in general when we're talking about broadcasting rights and all that. That's that's such a huge topic. We can spend two hours talking about that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm we planning on doing something soon. We're, we're talking I, about the same I mean, <laughs> no, we can bring up the Mexico national team too. Uh, I think they're they. They're getting pretty screwed if you if you ask me. But again, that's that's a whole other story. Just you know, just how things are done in Mexico in general. <laughs> but moving on to not in Mexico, uh, Mexicans abroad. Um, Guti, Chucky out of the Champions League. PSV crashed out. Tagatito crashed out today. Um, they lost both games to Krasnodar and. It's the first time the Porto's lost back-to-back games in like three years. So, <laughs> no Champions League for neither PSV or uh, Porto, and that's about thirty to forty million dollars right there just for making the group stage. So, uh, Rafa is Chucky. Chucky's gone. PSV. It seems like it. There's that Napoli rumors that they've been around for what seems like forever. Uh, it would make sense at this point if if you're PSV to uh, just let him go. I mean, he, there there was that one game where he sort of started off the bench. He's it, it seems like every sign is pointing to him leaving. Uh, personally, uh, I think it it's it's about time. Uh, I'm not saying. I mean, he he possibly could have spent another season at PSV, assuming they made the Champions League. Uh, but I think all signs are pointing. We're pointing anyway to him going to Napoli. Uh, he is. It's a shame about for PSV to to be honest, because again they're they're losing that cash flow from the Champions League, and and I feel for for somebody like Eric Gutierrez, which uh, we're assuming is going to get increased playing time this season. He's been playing more this so far this yeah. season. The first couple of league games and everything, he's he's starting every game, so that's good. He's been one of yeah. their better players, but I mean the team has struggled even in the league. They've They've they they lost the first game and I think they drew their second. It just he was the better one of the better players, but they still they need to win every game in the Eredivisie. Yeah, because you you have a uh, Ajax there just hanging around. But for me, it's about time uh, Lozano seeks seeks a greener pastures. I guess. Yeah, I, I think you know Chucky has to be looking to to go elsewhere. Um, Holland, uh, the Netherlands, uh, and and Portugal both were you know if we're being honest. Um, if you are as talented a, a, as a Chucky, that shouldn't be where you end up. That should be a jumping off point, uh, in, in my opinion. 
Um, you know, you you go to, to a PSV, you go to a Porto, you spend a couple of years there, you make a name for yourself, and then you look to move on to to Spain or to England or to Germany, you know. Um, I, I'm excited to see what is in store for Chucky and, and for the others there, you know, for, for Guti, um, you know, for, 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 for Port 3, um, you know, to, to see, okay, like, what's the season have in store for you guys? What are you going to do with this opportunity? Yeah, and then um, real quick, Essen Alvarez, Ajax is in, so they're they're still in the Champions League, so that's good for him. Uh, but, yeah, Ajax, they won the league last year. They sold uh, Delight. Is that how you say his name? I think so. They sold him for, what, 70 million euros to Juventus? Plus, they got this extra four, at least forty million coming through the Champions League. Yeah, P- PSV needs to reload. <laughs> well, so so I mean, uh, what little I know about the Eredivisie is that Ajax is the team where Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus—they all go shopping. That's where they get. They they look at the they look at Ajax. They look at PSV. They look at th- these clubs, and that's where they they find. Guys like De- Delight, you know, and 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 Suarez. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have uh, Ajax and, and the Eredivisie. They 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 know who they are. They are a stepping stone. They're fine with that. Um, and I think you know, if you're an ambitious, talented uh, player, um, like you know the guys that we've been talking about. I think that that's where you go, and I think that this is this is an opportunity uh, for them to showcase themselves um, to bigger teams and, and say, okay, this is what I can do, uh, Manchester City. This is why you want me on your team, Barcelona. This is you know what I can can bring to the table uh, for your team. Um, and I I don't think crashing out of the Champions League is the worst thing. It's certainly not great. Um, but I don't think that that's kind of a defining moment for any of these guys. Like I wouldn't, you know, if I was Chucky or Guti, I wouldn't be too upset about it. There's still a lot of soccer to play um, in, in a very favorable position for them. Yeah, and I think like as I was saying, Guti's going to play more this year. I think it's time for Chucky to move on. Uh, Tecatito, I mean, he's the last remaining guy at Porto. Um, he just signed an extension in March that runs through 2022. He's got a 50 million euro release clause. I don't. I think he still stays, Rafa. I know you said it might be time for him to go, but I don't think Portos is going to sell anyone right now. They're kind of, they were. I mean, they were raiding uh, Club America earlier this summer for people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Benfica got 120 million dollars for like a 19 year old kid. I mean, they have to try to keep up with those guys. So I think they're going to keep it. I don't think they're going to sell him for that guy. I think Tegatito's going to have another year in uh, in uh, Portugal. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, he, you know, he, he lasts there at least until till the winter window, uh, if not uh, until next next season. And I, I don't think it's the worst thing for him. I, I don't. I mean, I think Tecatito is, is, is a talented enough player where he's going to generate interest from the larger clubs uh, who may, at this point in time, be a little hesitant to go after a guy who's just signed a, a new contract. Um, but I don't think that's going to keep him off of their radar for long no i think he's he's just i mean he's just going to be there this year and i don't know i mean porto is one of those clubs that does take europa league serious but at the same time they're trying to win the league too so 
It's going to be interesting to see how, how much Porto and PSV take the Europa League seriously, which now, you know, I want to say the Europa League champion gets directly to the group stage. Rafa, is that true? You you are correct, yes. So, I mean, even PSV and Porto, they still ha- have to go through one qualifying round. Uh, well, PSV through two of them, but Porto's got to go through at least one qualifying round to get to the group stage. So, I mean, you win the Europa League, you don't got to mess around with the qualifying in July and early August. So, that might be the ticket for them. Um, real See, quick. I'm, I'm not as optimistic with FC Porto as, as you guys, because uh, they're... Oh, I'm not necessarily optimistic. I just... It's just like I don't think they're gonna sell Tecatito, so it's like I mean, they're not. They're not I, I don't think so either. But I don't. I think they've been underperforming these last few seasons. I mean, if you look at these last, uh, what was it? Benfica won. I, I don't even know how many league titles in a row. Uh, before FC Porto won it two seasons ago with that Hector Herrera goal. Uh, Porto's been severely underperforming. I mean, severely, and the fact that they just sold, you know, well, I mean. I don't know, out of the top of my head, I don't know what players they sold, but I'm looking at their squad right now, and they're even lucky that Alex Teyes is still there, that um, I mean, their defense is, is just not what it was before. Uh, they still have Danilo in there. They have uh, Tecatito, like we mentioned, Marega. But this is a team that, compared to what I would think of a good Porto team, this is not a very good team. I, I think they, they're... They are set to struggle in the league as well. Uh, again, I don't know Benfica's squad from the top of my head, but I think this team will struggle. And, and for, perhaps it was a blessing in disguise that they, they went out in so early because maybe they can actually concentrate in, in the league and maybe try to make it respectable against Benfica because uh, personally, it, I, I don't see it. And perhaps this is what why Hector was, I mean, he, he was leaving anyway, uh, but I don't think he had any doubts whatsoever about leaving because I, I think he sort of knew that this was coming. Uh, Benfica has won five out of the last six years. Yeah. Porto winning two years ago. Yeah. it's. Uh, I don't care what league you're, you're playing. It's like, it's like Club America winning five out of the last six. And, you know, you, you can't really claim to be a, a top team if you can't even compete. Because, I mean, some of these league titles Benfica just completely ran away with them um, I was gonna say that Portugal's kind of like Spain isn't it where I mean it's every year it's pretty much Benfica or Porto usually Benfica like there's you don't really yeah. there's not a whole lot of uh, you know third or fourth teams that, that would kind of challenge that pretty much it's it's Benfica then Porto and then Sporting hasn't won in like the last 10 years but Sporting is usually in third place. Pretty much every year they're in third place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like even if even if they can, even if Porto isn't as good as they were, if they can still kind of come in second. Um, and as as kind of nihilistic as that is to think about, like, you know, if they can, if they can not suck as bad as everyone else, like, you know, that'll that'll still be probably good enough. Yeah, I mean, as long as you get second place, you still get through the Champions League qualifying. So. Yeah, and those those qualifiers, I mean, you know, it's it's the luck of the draw. You can go up against a really good team, or you can go up against, you know, the Northern Ireland champions or something like that. So yeah, not even that. Sometimes just like travel alone just kills you. Yeah. Can we pull one out for Marcelo, who left Club América to seek Champions League, and he's not getting Champions League? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I was, it was funny because, like, people were saying that, and I think you mentioned it too, but uh, all the Porto fans were happy with him. They were like, he was the best player over the last two games. He kept us in it at least. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of fans being like, thank God we had him, otherwise we would have got destroyed. <laughs> La Liga starts this week. Ch- EPL started last week. Um, Chicharito is going to seem like he's going to be a spot starter coming off the bench per usual. Jimenez, number one guy at Wolves. Um, Diego Reyes at Fenerbahce still. He started the last couple friendlies, but I have no idea what the hell they're going to do with him. He had like a really bad first six months with them before they sent him on loan. Um, I actually watched Govea play on some very shady stream. Um, he's playing more of a box-to-box guy. It was kind of interesting. I mean, he just his last 18 months have kind of just been like downhill. Poor guy. Um, and then Hector Moreno's in Qatar. I mean, I don't really care, but I mean, he's in Qatar, so I figured just letting everyone know. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on the upcoming season for any of these Mexicans abroad? Uh, I'm most excited about Hector Herrera going to Atletico Madrid. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if yeah, he'll... four Mexicans in La Liga. Yeah, <laughs> so that's gonna be good. I don't know if he'll he'll get the start immediately. I mean, I don't even know if he'll start that many games because Atletico Madrid is just so stacked. But I'm excited. I think Atletico Madrid can can do something special this season. Because you love Cholo. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, no. So, uh, there was there was this comment he made where sort of like, um, you know, you have the Manchester Cities, the Barcelonas, they have a defined style of play or academies that, you know, I guess sort of adapt that, that same style of play. And, and he's like, I think we're at that level now. And I think he's right. He sort of changed the culture of that club. I, I mean, this isn't an Atletico Madrid podcast, but whatever. But I mean, oh, real him. quick, real quick, Atletico Madrid is the worst opponent MLS can pick for an All Star game. Why would you do that? Cholo is gonna like <laughs> press. He's he's not gonna take it easy. Like that was just a bad choice. It's yeah. just a, stylistically, it's just a terrible choice. Sorry, I just had to say. It. I just had to get that in there. No, you're right. It, yeah, he was taking it so serious. I mean, it, it was like an actual competitive match. If you. If you I think even the MLS players, the the stars were like, "What is going on here? These guys are going at us like, like if it's like the World like Cup." Like full court like, press the whole. Yeah, fight. exactly. <laughs> crazy. But, but I mean, this team is is just the amount of players they they brought in is just insane. They they should be competing for, I mean, they they should be at least competing for second place, assuming that Real Madrid is good good enough this year, which by the looks of it, they're struggling right now, but. Atletico Madrid looks like the real deal. Uh, I, I, they lost Griezmann, but who cares about Griezmann with the players they brought in? They're going to be a fun, a fun team to watch. Uh, I watched the game last season. Uh, I tweeted about it in my personal account where I was like, this, this is probably the best 45 minutes I've seen of a team, you know, that whole year, that whole semester. And it was an Atletico Madrid game against, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they were just so dominant. I mean, just completely. I think it was against Celta Vigo. I think I was watching that game because uh, yeah. Araujo was on that team. I felt bad for Araujo. I don't know who it was against, but it was just, it, it was anything, it topped anything I saw from Manchester City, from Bayern Munich, from Juventus, anybody. It was just brilliant. It was brilliant stuff. And to know that, that Herrera is going to be part of that team, is I'm just I'm stoked. I'm excited. I'm going to see a lot of Atletico Madrid games this season. I'll counter that by saying I'm super excited to see uh, Diego Linus and and how he does, um, you know, getting a full season in, uh, you know, with uh, Real Betis. Uh, you know, he. I feel like 
when he made the transfer this last year, there was a lot of, uh, you know, again, a kind of a transition period, uh, learning a new culture, learning, uh, you know, a new, new coaching style and, 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 and set up and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm really interested to see how he does this season. You know, how has he been able to kind of integrate himself in, into that? Um, how will they rate him? Um, you know, I mean, they're, he kind of looked like a spot starter slash bench guy last year. Like, is that still going to be his role? Uh, does he kind of take the reins as uh, the, the, the starter or, you know, is he going to be more coming off of the bench? Uh, you know, like, I, I'm just interested to see how that plays out. Like, how does he fit in there? He should and, play more. I mean, one of the guys in front of him was sold to Tonham, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of get I, I get that impression, too, um, but it's it's still kind of hard to, 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 to see. And, and, you know, full disclosure, like I'm not super into La Liga and I don't you know, I don't follow Real Betis religiously. Um, you know, I haven't I couldn't tell you anything that happened to them during the preseason. Uh, but I, I, I do feel like, you know, like I want to see I want to see how he does, uh, you know, especially with the first few uh, weeks of that season um, you know has he kind of gained his footing there how does he fit in with the rest of the team um, you know is does he look like a fish out of water or does he just you know does he slot right in and, and kind of go um, I just wish uh, BN Sport didn't have the rights to La Liga I hate BN Sports like you can't get it in any cable service it's just it's frustrating I, w- I mean I don't know I have have you guys do you have it yeah I've got, I've got login, English bro. and Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love ES, ESPN Plus. I will sing its praise. It's so nice to watch Eredivisie, all MLS games. It's so nice. And next year they got they got the Bundesliga next year too, so it's gonna be nice. And I know uh, a couple La Liga presidents even spoke out about how they're not they're not fans of how the BN Sport deal has turned out to has has it turned out in America. So well, we'll I mean, see. I'm not super high on BN sports, but like, I'm glad that I get it. Um, no, I, I'm with you. I think ESPN plus is really turning out to be a dominant player in the world soccer broadcast market. And I'm, I'm man, that is like the best five bucks a month that I spend. <laughs> yeah. I'm pumped when I can get that, that and Disney and Hulu for like 12 bucks a month. It's going to be clutch. I can watch, I can watch, uh, Rafa's Lakers lose to the Clippers on ESPN Plus. It's going to be great. I think Rafa muted his mic. Oh, no. No comment. <laughs> let's, let's leave the Laker talk for for another time. Luckily, my Bulls are trash, and they're never going to be on national TV. <laughs> Did you know Anthony Davis said he might he might consider going to the Bulls one day, though? I like Anthony Davis. He shouldn't come to this dumpster fire. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, one of the guys I'm excited to see is Edson Alvarez. I mean, they, they they don't spend money on guys they're not gonna play. So they're gonna he he's on the Champions League squad. They, he's registered. We talked about delight. He's gonna fill it. He's basically filling in for him. So he's got big shoes to fill. I'm really excited to see him play out there. And now that he's gonna be in the Champions League, it's gonna be nice. Um, yeah. For Trenton Alvarez, do you think he's he's eventually going to? to be a starter and if he does start where is he going to play are we going to see him in the midfield or are we going to play see him play that one of those center back positions because 
uh, I've been looking at this Ajax team, and I think their biggest problem is on defense. But, yeah, he's gonna be center back. I, I I think that's the plan going forward with him. But ultimately, I think his his best position is defensive midfielder, and I think he's shown it with Club América and the Mexico national team. Uh, and I'm curious to see how that translates to his future with the Mexico national team, because uh, if ultimately that that is what Ajax decides and they play him as as center back. Uh, are they going to develop him more as a center back? And as a result, is is his play in the midfield going to take a hit? And then maybe Tata Martino's like, well, you know, he's been playing one or two years as 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 center back with Ajax. Um, we should look at somebody else as defensive midfielder because uh, I think that is my biggest dilemma here. Uh, I I don't. You think that? Are you sure? I mean, do you think he's going to play center back? I mean, I think the way this, the style Ajax plays, I mean, they're going to dominate 90% of the games in the uh, Eredivisie. So I feel like he's going to be just sitting back there. He's going to, you know, step up and kind of play that distributor role, even from even from the center back position. And I think he'll he'll do that. He'll kind of still play. I don't want to say like like in between a center back and a D-mid, you know, like he's going to be able to step up with the ball, confident, can deliver that ball. So I, I don't know, he's young, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about it necessarily. You can see my, my biggest beef with Yeah, yeah. With, I, I see it though. I see what you mean. No, but my biggest beef in general with Edson Alvarez, who ever since he, he came up the ranks with, with La Volpe, I thought he was a phenomenal player. Just, you know, technically he, he's, he's so gifted. He's, he's so good on the ball. He, he he's smart. He's intelligent. He, He's definitely there physically, except for one thing. And I've always said this about Edson Alvarez. He goes in too rapidly into a tackle. Like, he, yep. he's in very easily. And he is not the fastest guy. And playing center back and assuming he's going to find himself in positions where he is the last man, he is going to get torched by faster strikers. I mean, he is going to get eaten up. And that scares me, especially in a league like the Dutch League where – where guys tend to be a little work a little bit more on the technical side, uh, which I think why ultimately when you look at Club America's roster and just the fact that they had, uh, you know, really good center backs, you have Bruno Valdez in there and so and so, uh, it just made sense to play Edson Alvarez as as defensive midfielder. Uh, with Ajax, I just I find it hard. I'm very curious to see what they decide to do there because if. If he is ultimately a, a, a center back, he's he, he's going to have to work on that. Because even if he does transition into midfield, I, I, I mean, he's really good technically, but he is not Busquets, for for example, to to give an example where, uh, I mean, he's still very good technically, even though he's more of a defensive-minded player. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just curious to see where where he ends up because uh, either way, he's going to work, have to improve and work on something because he, he is at another level. This isn't, this is Ajax. This is, I mean, with all due respect to Club America, this, this is Ajax, you know? It, yeah. You playing Querétaro on the weekends is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I just, I would trust them to develop him. I mean, they just sold the guy for what, 80 million euros. I mean, there's clubs in the world that you trust to develop players. It's done. Uh, in PS- one of them. Yeah. And I, I, I... I, I think no matter where they wind up putting him, I think Ajax has the infrastructure to support him and to develop him in that position. Um, I, I tend to think it's going to be more D-mid, simply because that's where he, he 
I felt he did the best. And I think that that would fit a little. And again, I don't know too, too much about Ajax, but what I do know is that, you know, having a, having a D mid like an Edson Alvarez, who, you know, if they can improve some of the deficiencies that he has, he would fit right into that. And I think that that's probably a little bit harder to come by than a good center back. And, and maybe that's just my own ignorance. Like, I, I don't know, but I, I feel like, you know, having a, a, a D mid who has that skill set, um, you know, and if you can make a couple of improvements uh, on it, would be much uh, more valuable, not only for his game, but for Ajax when they try and sell him on. Which they will. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 what they do. They they develop players. They bring in young players. They develop them, and they sell them on for, for a ton of money. So you're saying they're like the Club America of uh, Holland? I would not <laughs> go that far, but <laughs> selling players left and right. <laughs> it's it's so weird to think of Club America being a selling team. It's usually they're the ones that go out in the transfer market and just buy players uh, because they can. And um, to see them sell off a lot of players at once is just kind of weird. I mean, it's good. Like these guys certainly, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Alvarez shouldn't have gone, Marche shouldn't have gone, but it's just weird, right? Yeah, I mean, something tells me they would have pushed back on a Marche scene leaving if they didn't have an idea that they could get Ochoa. Mm, this is true. Well, maybe just... not, though. I mean, you know... I feel like every player wants to play at the top level. The top level is usually defined as playing in Europe. And, you know, I feel like if you hold a guy back from achieving that, that, that can backfire. Um, just real quick to finish it off. I mean, does it not look good for Club America that, hey, we're selling players, come play for us. We're not scared. To, we're not going to hold you hostage here. Does it not look oh, good for them going forward for these, you know, these young South American players they can pluck now? It looks great. Not only will we not hold you back, but hey, look at the teams that come and and you know have eyes on you while you're playing here. It's just that's just smart, right? That's just a smart transfer policy. What do you think, Rafa? Well, I'll tell you, I was at the LAFC game against uh, Red Bulls this past uh, Sunday. And uh, some of my colleagues got to interview Caco uh, Romero, which was has been heavily rumored for for Club America this these last few months. Uh, he sort of threw a fit last time uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, not not a few weeks, ago, a few months ago. He threw a fit because uh, you know he he wanted to go to Club America, and ultimately, I guess the club locked, decided not to to go through the negotiations or whatever the case may be. Anyway, they asked him about him, and, and he sort of pointed that out. He, it was one of his point of emphasis for for why going to Club America would be a good idea because he sort of said, well, you know, as you can see, they, they just let go of Marche, they let go of Uribe, and that's sort of uh, an extra incentive to to want to go to Club America. Uh, if you're a guy like Kaku Romero, who, who is still, I think he's 25, around that age, uh, who is still uh, in a period in his career where, where he can certainly find suitors in Europe. He, he just sort of just needs that, uh, that, uh, that sort of just pathway to, to find a club, whether it's, uh, you know, in Italy or whatever the case may be. 
and now you see Club America doing that. Uh, they explore to to Netherlands to to Portugal, uh, and if he can do that in with all due respect to Major League Soccer, they're, they're still a growing league. But if you can do that in Mexico, which is at, even at a higher level than Major League Soccer, and, and you know that your team is willing to to give you a chance in Europe if you do well in this team, it, it's definitely an incentive. And, and he sort of emphasized that that. That, if, that he would still love to go to Mexico and play for Club America. And it's an extra incentive that they're letting guys like Marche and Uribe go on and live their dream of playing in Europe. Uh, and, and again, with, with guys like him, it, it matters, you know, for, for players who, uh, especially young Argentine players who are now uh, sort of going out of Argentina at a younger age um, to go to a club like Club America where where let's be honest, the level is still high because it is Club America we're talking about. Uh, just like we were talking about Edson Alvarez and Ajax, there is certain level of responsibility being in a team like Club America because teams are going to go at you. They're going to compete. And then to sort of do well in a team like that and then have the pathway to go to Europe. Uh, and plus, let's not talk, let's bring up the economic side as well because let's be honest, Club America and Liga MX teams pay well in general. Um, again, it's an, it's an added incentive. And if you're a South American player, a Paraguayan player, or an Argentine player, uh, you got to love the idea that Club America is now more willing to to sell player their, their players to Europe uh, because you're going to get paid, you're going to play at a high level, and you're going to get the chance to play in Europe if you do well. It's just smart. It's just a smart transfer policy. I mean, you get these guys who are like, because that was kind of, you know, MLS is, slowly tr- starting to get that reputation where hey we'll we'll sell you we'll sell you you know but it's only a certain teams that will sell you you know they'll sell you they'll sell you they won't hesitate if you know oh. club america can say hey we'll develop you and sell you well i'd rather go to you know club america because i know i'll make more money than if i go to mls well let me tell you uh, in that same game lafc uh our uh, rossi uh, i mean rumor has it i uh, I don't have any personal relationship to Rossi, but I know some of my colleagues that do. And there was that rumor where uh, Fiorentina was after him. Apparently, there there was a bid from Fiorentina that came in for Rossi, and uh, LAFC was like, "Nope, we're not letting you go now." And he was not happy. He was not happy at all. And if and you know the weird thing is, I was watching the game, and uh, he seemed pretty. He was he was all over the place. You know, I compared to. Uh, if you play uh, clubs in FIFA, but you have the the camera where it's not the field, you know, you know the camera I'm talking about, right, Raul? The the camera that follows your player as opposed yeah, to yeah, the one that just follows you guys and yeah. follows you and that ball, yep. And then you know you have that. <laughs> it seems like you have that freedom where you can just move anywhere on the field, right? That's how I felt like he looked on the field. Like he he was just not he was just not his own. He was just all over the place. And I was like, that's really weird because this guy's this guy's usually very disciplined when it comes to the tactical side side of things and then I, I go in there and I talk to my colleagues and they're like like if you see Rossi's like a little weird it's because he's just not happy he's uh Florentino. LAFC just signed some yeah some Brian Rodriguez. yeah yeah so maybe now Florentino comes in with a little bit higher offer and they're like okay you can yeah. go so maybe this is him showing showing LAFC yeah I want to go like I'm not happy here I mean he, he I'm sure he's happy but he just wants to play at a higher level and again this goes back to to the willingness of, of teams to letting guys go out and play in Europe and that, that that's important. Yeah, I think, I think with MLS, you know, not, not to get too deep down that rabbit hole, but I think you have certain teams that 
LAFC seems like one of them where they're really not going to be too willing to let top players go unless they get some sort of high dollar, uh, you know, money for them. Uh, you know, what, what they would consider a, a good offer, whether that's a realistic offer or not. But I feel like you have other teams, um, you know, that are less inclined to be as hard or have, have, have as hard a line, as hard a stance uh, on that as others. I feel like, you know, Philadelphia, who, who I watch, um, would happily uh, allow any of their players to be sold on to, to a European team, um, you know, uh, as long as it wasn't for pennies on the dollar, you know, I mean, if they got some sort of legitimate decent offer for, for any of the players uh, from a European club and the player was interested, they would, they would take it because that's how you get a good reputation with players, with agents. This is a place you want to come play because they're willing to let you go to Europe, even if it's not, you know, for 20 million euros or something, you know, even if it's for, for 15, uh, 10, um, you know, they're willing to to take a bit of a a loss in, in that general kind of sense uh, to allow you to go, and that you know that that speaks volumes for for some of these clubs that that they that they that they do that. And I think America is is certainly going to see the fruits of that sort of thing, where players from elsewhere will say, "This is a place you can go," and they're not going to hold you back. You know, you don't have to worry that if you perform too well you're not going to be able to move on so i feel like that's the problem with mls you get a guy in a nice little contract he starts playing his ass off well i'm not i don't want to sell him i'm you know i'm I'm paying him seventy five thousand dollars this year why do i want to sell him and i got to bring in a guy who's making 10 times that to equal how he's performing because isn't that what's happening with the was it, is it aaron long at uh the red bulls yeah, but that, I mean, again, that that kind of goes. The, the Red Bulls have a a valuation on Long. I th- I think they said it was fifteen mil. Fifteen million. And there's, I mean, Aaron Long's a good player, but he's not fifteen million. Um, no. And you know, you, you have. If to he be was able... so good, why wouldn't he play on their uh, on one of the other Red Bull teams in Europe? <laughs> well, I mean, that's well, that's the sort of thing. Like, you know, is it is it that sort of kind of Manchester City kind of deal and i don't know the i don't know the inner workings of of, of, the, of the clubs where you know if a cl- if a player hits certain metrics or is good enough then they go on to to you know salzburg or wherever um you know like i don't know exactly how that works but you know the red bulls have to be a, a little bit more self-aware like nobody's paying 15 million dollars for aaron long aaron long is a very good player five million yeah that's that's probably right you know if you can get you know seven to ten million for him like good on you but i wouldn't i wouldn't dream of holding a guy like that hostage for 15 million because a you're not going to get it and b the only thing you're going to get is a reputation for holding guys hostage which will have other players think twice before wanting to sign with your club you know the, the red bulls have always been um one of the kind of marquee clubs in mls one of the big name clubs um, and, you know, doing that kind of shoots yourself in the foot and makes you look a little bit less kind of a big time, makes you look more kind of small potatoes because, you know, hey, well, we, you know, why are they putting such a high dollar amount on him? Do they really think they're going to get that kind of money or are they just trying to 
you know, get as much money as they can because maybe they're having financial issues or, you know, something along those, those lines. Like, and I, again, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, MLS is not my beat anymore. Um, so I don't have any sort of. I mean, are the Red Bulls so, still paying Rafa? I mean, what's going on? Again, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a Philadelphia fan, I, 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 I hope so. <laughs> you know, you love to see it. You love to see it. Um, <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap it up? So, I mean, just going back to that, like, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the thing with, like, covering LAFC, like, on a weekly basis is you, you're probably right about the whole, maybe they're less willing to let go of somebody like Rossi, but to counter that, when Carlos, there was that rumor where Carlos Vela was, it was supposedly rumored to, there's some rumored interest by Barcelona to, to have Carlos Vela go in. Uh, evidently, uh, at least it, it came from Vela. He said it himself personally that it, it was true. And then LFC was more than willing to, to let Barcelona negotiate for, for Carlos Vela. Like they, they were willing to let him go. Uh, I think maybe this was perhaps as a, as a thank you for, for, you know, coming here, setting basically the first stones to what they're building here or whatever the case may be. Uh, but at least there they were willing to, to let go arguably their best player. So uh, uh, wasn't it also in the off season? Yeah, that is, that is true. That, that is true. Um, but I mean, I think, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Like, you know, th- those sorts of things have a way of getting around to certain circles, um, be it other players, be it agents. You know, I, I can't imagine there's a club on the face of this earth. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I can't imagine there are too many clubs on this planet that would say, yeah, I, we're absolutely not going to let a player go to Barcelona, um, you know, for, for some sort of reasonable negotiated value. I, I can't imagine there's any any club, especially in a league like MLS, um, you know, or if we're being honest, Liga Mackies, um, that would say, yeah, we're not going to let you go to Barcelona because that ha- that has the sort of, uh, you know, way of, of making the rounds where guys go – they wouldn't let this player go where you know, I'm absolutely not going there. Um, no, I, right. I, I think Fiorentina while a big name isn't Barcelona. I mean, I think, you know, when you start talking Barcelona, uh, the Manchester clubs, Bayern, uh, Real Madrid, like you kind of get into even rarer air where you, unless they come in with a crazy low ball offer, which seems extremely not like something that those clubs would do, you let the player go. If even to kind of save face and and not be the club that said, yeah, we're not selling you for a reasonable price to Barcelona or Manchester or wherever. I also saw some weird rumor. Uh, Tottenham was interested in Vela a couple of weeks ago. I was like, what? This just came out of nowhere. Did you yeah. see that, Rafa? No, I didn't see that one, but... It no. was obviously not real, but I was just like, this what? No, get out of here. <laughs> Would that hurt your Arsenal heart if you would have gone to the Tottenham? Absolutely. <laughs> I would be pretty. Yeah, that that one would. You yeah. would have burned your Carlitos jersey. Um. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't know. That one's tough. 
I, I would see why why he'd move, but at the same time, I don't know. I know. I just, Bro, no. the Lakers and the Clippers are awesome. They're he's not leaving LA right now. He's not leaving LA. He seems happy. He's it's really <laughs> so. This last press conference, uh, he was just like, he he seems happy. He seems confident. Uh, uh, I think there's been an evolution to his confidence, and I and I know there's criticism and people are saying, well, you know, why'd he move? Blah blah. blah. He could have still played in Europe, but he's happy. At the end of the day, if he's happy, he's happy. Well, what can you do? Uh, he sort of just I, I, I'm. You know, he sort of said at the end of the press conference, you know, I, I really don't care. Like, you can hate all you want. I'm happy. And that's that. If he broke the record for most goals scored as a Mexican in, in Major League Soccer, it is what it is. I'm happy. Uh, you know, you can criticize, criticize me all you want. I'm happy. And that's that. And, and I admire that because he's not letting it get to him. You know, like he's 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 just being himself and he's happy. He's He's taking the criticism how it comes and he's being himself and I admire that. And I think people should just stop. Oh, well, I mean, people can talk all they want because, you know, you go on Twitter and everybody's still taking shots at the poor guy for, for his decision two years ago, whatever long it's been. Uh, but it is what it is. He, he made his decision. And, and like I said, it's his life. He's happy and people should respect that. And I admire that. The bigger decision he made was, did he officially retire from the national team or what's up with that? I thought Tata said no more. I thought he said, you know, you don't want to be here. It is what it is. You're gone. That's why I don't care about Carlos Vela. Not that he's in MLS, whatever. The, the fact that he's just like, I don't want to play Mexico. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm I, I'm done caring about you. <laughs> I mean, I watch the games, but I just don't. It's not like I'm, you know, when you watch a player and you're like, all right, where does he fit with the national team? It's just like, oh, I'm just watching a player. That's yeah, just... you're right. I get it too. Sometimes I'm like, what am I here for? Like, I'm literally at the stadium, like, I know Vela's going to score, like, five goals today, but, like, how is this going to help, you know, the Mexico national team? Yeah, exactly. It's like, eh. At least, at least if you're watching Jonah, he's got, you can focus on Antuna or something, I don't know. Who's, he's still owned by Man City, so, he's technically there on loan, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, anything else, guys? Eugene, anything? No. All good. All right. Well, well, it's week week four of League MX. It's uh only what fourteen more weeks to go before the before the craziness of La Liguilla starts. Uh, where can uh, people find you, Eugene? I'm at uh, Golazo Del Gringo on Twitter. Rafa, where are you at? Where can people find the set or the happy Laker tweets this year? Well, usually my personal my personal account is uh, Rafa Rambles, but usually all my work goes into uh, FMFSOM where. You know, we're all active there. We uh, we give our opinions, and you know, we rant a bit about. Well, I rant a bit in my articles about what's going on in the Yankees. So you can find us at FMFSOM as well. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.